Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're listening to C-SPAN's The Weekly. I'm Susan Swain. While there's been much attention to President Trump's efforts to contest the presidential race, there are a few House races still uncalled that are being closely followed by people in politics because of the razor-thin majority in Congress. One of those is Iowa's 2nd Congressional District, and Iowa reporter Zach Smith has been following that race. He joins us to explain why this race is important and how it's taking an unusual turn. Hi, Zach. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Susan. The two candidates in this race are Democrat Rita Hart and Republican Marionette Miller Meeks, Triple M there. So tell us about these two women as candidates. Uh, So both uh, uh, Rita Hart comes from a background as a sort of long-term educator. Uh, Marionette Miller Meeks has a long career as an ophthalmologist, Uh, both uh, long careers here uh, in, uh, in Southeast Iowa. Uh, the two of them also have state legislative experience uh, representing different districts here. Um, they both, uh, you know, they both are uh, uh, both have had uh, uh, lar- uh, connections to larger campaigns. Uh, Rita Hart was a uh, lieutenant governor candidate uh, in a sort of a unsuccessful attempt by Fred Hubble to take the governorship in 2018. And Marionette Miller Meeks has um, this is actually her fourth run for this seat uh, as. Uh, the retiring uh, retiring Democrat Dave Loebsack, who is uh, vacating, making this uh, who left is leaving the seat open. Um, she ran against him in uh, uh, three times before this uh, in 2008, uh, 2010, and then in, uh, again in I believe it was 2014. Um, all of which all of which came with the you know smaller margins of uh, of that loss, right? So she you know each year she's sort of gotten her name out there, getting a little bit closer, getting a little bit closer until. Um, November 3rd, when uh, she we thought uh, we she she was ahead by just 282 votes. And I remember writing with such great surprise that 282 votes would separate these, uh, you know, these two women, these two women uh, from you know, taking the seat uh, for the second district. Well, um, it has since shrunk to uh, over the recount has shrunk to just six votes, which is uh, nothing short of extraordinary. Well, a little bit more background on the campaign. Was it a high-profile campaign in terms of money going into the race? Uh, there was a great deal of spending, uh, both locally uh, and nationally. But it was, in fact, well-funded by, by people on both sides of, of this uh, contest. Yeah, the RNCC and the DCCC, uh, you know, both, uh, they're both the uh, sort of uh, committees in charge of getting uh, – their respective parties uh, into office, um, you know, have been uh, have been invested in this race since uh, you know since uh, uh, Dave Loebsack uh, first decided that he was leaving the seat. Um, this congressional seat, uh, congressional district, has a history, long history of um, keeping with, sticking with their incumbents. Uh, Dave Loebsack had the seat for uh, a, a longer than a decade. Before him, uh, a Republican candidate held it for several decades. Uh, this um, this seat uh, going uh, whether, whether to the Republicans or the Democrats. Um, is a is a big deal. What's a little snapshot, brief snapshot of Iowa too? Um, I, I, that's a, a great question and a difficult one. Um, I mean, you've got uh, so this is an area that uh, sort of 
skates along the Mississippi River, right? So you have some old Mississippi River industrial towns like Muscatine, uh, but you also have you know, deeply, uh, you know, very loosely uh, populated areas like uh, Van Buren County, very agricultural, um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of meat processing uh, factories. Um, you also have, I mean, university towns, Iowa City as the home to the University of Iowa uh, with the Hawkeyes. Um, but also, I mean, uh, our biggest, our largest population county, Scott, uh, you know, has such a range of uh, such a range of industry in it. I mean, it's really like trying to put your finger on, you know, who, well, you know, who what is the representative experience of the second congressional district is a, kind of a difficult one. So go back to election night. You said the margin was just 282 votes. What happened next? After we found out that 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 was the last uh, that was the last total that was available that night uh, from the secretary of state's office. Um, After that, you know, there was some question about what, you know, whether or not uh, a recount would be called. Right. And uh, a few days later, uh, Rita Hart, the Democratic candidate, announced that she wanted a full recount of all 24 counties. over the course, uh, it, it only took a few days, um, and suddenly uh, we were finding uh, discrepancy in Jasper County that, uh, you know, completely threw, you know, that threw out uh, several, they had misreported one precinct by several hundred votes, um, which put, uh, um, you know, uh, put Rita Hart, the Democrat ahead, and Miller Meeks behind. Another reporting error, uh, this time in Lucas County, found um, you know, found Miller Meeks right back up top. I mean, we've 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 seen we've seen quite a bit uh, that recount process. Uh, saw a lot of really tenuous rooms as uh, county uh, recount boards were forced to, in some cases, hand count several thousand, you know, tens of thousands of ballots. But you said that it ultimately settled on a six-vote margin, and the Republican governor right. of the state then certified the election. That's right. Uh, in Iowa, we have a bipartisan certification process. Uh, so while there is a state option for uh, challenging the, can- the certified canvassed results, um, the uh, a council that includes uh, people like our Republican governor, our uh, Republican secretary of state, but also our Democratic uh, state auditor, um, were sort of all at the table to, and voted unanimously to uh, certify the results, including Miller Meeks' uh, six-vote six victory. So the winner was declared as Marionette Miller-Meeks, the Republican candidate. What was Democratic candidate Rita Hart's next move? Uh, Rita Hart's next move was uh, we, we sort of waited a few days uh, because there was some question, right? Um, Iowa Code has a process whereby she can take a uh, um, she can take uh, a call for a challenge, and then that challenge uh, uh, causes the Supreme Court and uh, district, um, several district court judges to call uh, to um, form what is called a uh, contest court, right? And there's a, they would have had until I believe is uh, December eighth uh, to make a decision, right? Um, the Rita Hart camp very early on, you know, has said that uh, the time constraints from the recount process, which only gave them uh, the better part of a month to hand count over four hundred thousand ballots, uh, to consider about four hundred thousand ballots. Um, that that recount process did not give them requisite time, but uh, uh, since a uh, sort of time crunch that several of your more populous counties, Johnson, Scott, and uh, Clinton, all said was not enough time to get through and hand count uh, each of these ballots. Um, going to uh, so so evaluating that first option she had, the state court, Rita Hart said that only uh, you know that uh, between November 30th and uh, what December 8th, that was not going to be uh, enough time to get to. Uh, get those votes, get the recount that uh, she wanted, right? Um, and so there was option two, right? And option two, uh, uh, she announced uh, maybe a week ago 
Um, Rita Hart is going to be petitioning the uh, House uh, to weigh in, uh, a move that while you know, while the uh, Committee on Administration gets petitioned on elections relatively frequently, the last time, you know, we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen them actually intervene in elections since uh, uh, election 1984. So you have been digging into the history of the appeals to the directly to the House of Representatives and learning more about them. It's a pretty complex process. First of all, there's a, a deadline, right, of, of December 30th, where uh, candidate Hart has to file an official notice. But we, we presume she's going right. to go ahead and do this. Uh, she has until she has until December 30th. Um, we're anticipating uh, it a little sooner than that, um, maybe sometime next week. And then what happens? Um, so with that petition, we will have specific claims that the Hart campaign is making. Um, so making about uh, why the House should look into and investigate this this election. Um, well, I think you know, we we know we know a few things, right? We've uh, I mentioned the uh, miscounts and uh, the uh, reporting errors in Lucas and Jasper counties. Uh, but there's also a question of uh, there was a broken, uh, a, you know, a broken uh, uh, high speed boat counter that had to be repaired mid recount. There's, um, you know, there's a there's this issue of uh, over whether or not um, overcount and under uh, undervoted ballots, you know, those votes, those ballots that um, the machine read as not being in favor of either candidate and overvote ballots, which a machine read as being in favor of both candidates. Um, you know, there's some question as to whether or not all of those have been accurately examined for uh, voter intent. Um, and in an election that has come down to just six, right, that those those become pretty operative. So the House Administration Committee has what options available to it? Yeah, so the House Administration Committee uh, can choose if they are uh, if, if they are moved by her petition, by the evidence she presents. She then has uh, they have the ability to uh, call an investigation. Right. So. Uh, um, yeah, can, they can conduct a uh, preliminary investigation or a limited recount to determine if there are grounds for a full-scale investigation, uh, which would translate in this case to a recount. Um, there are also some mediated versions. They, um, you know, they could outright dismiss the petition, which I mean, we've if, uh, the you know, looking looking at the congressional record, the it is much more common. Uh, it's much more common for the House to reject these outright uh, for a lack of uh, lack of evidence. But now we have to bring into the story the statistic that the Democrats' majority in the House is razor thin after this election. Right now, 222 seats, and two of them are going to be uh, empty pretty soon because they are Biden appointees. So that brings it down to 220. And to pass legislation, it's 218 votes in a a typical Congress. So Nancy Pelosi's margin is really thin, and every one of these seats matters to the Democrats as they move forward. It also means that if this comes to a vote by the full House, she's got to have her entire caucus agreeing that it that this seat should be overturned. Isn't that correct? That's right. And that's really dubious political uh, math. Right. Uh, The um, by by choosing not to use the state, uh, the state, uh, I was contest court process, but because for for reasons that they're not being enough time to conduct the recount. Um, she she jumped over what some what uh, Republicans uh, in the state uh, refer to as uh, you know the nonpartisan legal process, right? Um, she had uh, I was just on a call with the uh, GOP uh, Iowa GOP chairman uh, Jeff Kaufman, who was saying that you know she uh, we have a process here in the state. She chose not to she chose not to use it. And now she's running to Nancy Pelosi to uh, you know uh, to you know to vent uh, you know to vent about this election, right? Um, you're right that, uh, you know, we're in, uh, that 
this is uh, this is an extremely important seat in an extremely contentious uh, Congress. And um, yeah, it will be uh, uh, you. you I, I expect uh, a lot of overtures over how and how this process is conducted and, and under what circumstances. Well, Iowa has two Republican senators and a Republican state house speaker. Uh, they're all on board with uh, supporting their candidate, Marriott Miller Meeks, and uh, criticizing Rita Hart, I would presume. Uh, we have, uh, I, I worked on a story just a week ago, uh, sort of looking at uh, trying to find uh, some crossover, whether, uh, you know, whether it's a Republican endorsing Rita Hart's contest uh, to petition to Congress or Democrats uh, endorse, you know, saying that, uh, you know, we want no part of uh, you know, Congress deciding this, uh, deciding this, uh, who, who gets seated uh, in 2021. Um Unfortunately, we've, uh, it seems to have fallen quite neatly under uh, party lines uh, as, uh, as of right now. So you have dug into the history of congressional appeals. And over the course of time, you say the appeals happen frequently. Can you give us a sense of how frequently people do make appeals to Congress? Yeah, um, there were uh, uh, over 100 contested election cases like the, the House considered uh, since uh, 1933, um, based on a rep- uh, report from Congress, uh, Congress's Research Service, um, we've seen uh, you know we've seen uh, these co- these come up from time to time. Normally, they are not uh, this close, right? I think the six uh, I think the six point margin makes this a particularly interesting one, um, and we really haven't seen a, a, a someone as close uh, this close since uh, Indiana back in 1984. So that race actually became known as the Bloody Eighth because it was Iowa's eighth district, 1984 election. And what did you learn about what happened then? Yeah, um, in Indiana's eighth, uh, this was a uh, this is another uh, unlike Iowa's second congressional district. Uh, Indiana's eighth is uh, kind of a much more hotly contested uh, contested district, right? Uh, this was the one uh, that one source uh, said had. Uh, um, uh, changed it changed its representatives uh, ousted six incumbents between 1966 and 1982 right so you know not the same sort of long uh, long bake uh, process that uh, uh, you know maybe we enjoy here in the second district um, uh, that year uh, back in 1984 uh, the House of Representatives had uh, two people competing over the over the district um, Democrat Frank McCloskey uh, held a margin uh, after a series of uh, recounts held a margin of just four votes out of 233,000 that were cast, um, you know, uh, razor sharp, even sharper than our own. Um, this was a race that ended up going to Congress um, and actually led to House, uh, House Republicans uh, storming, storming out after the, after the vote. We uh, know that the House did not resolve that dispute until May of 1985 with that November election. We're going to play a clip from the House floor back then just to give people a sense of how bitter this contest was up till the very end when it was resolved. Let's listen. There is a cloud hanging over this contest and it hangs over this institution. And if we go forward with seating McCloskey, then we will all be tainted by it. Finally, Mr. Speaker, we have to consider what kind of message we're sending here to the young people of this nation who aspire to hold office someday. Are we instilling confidence for them in our electoral processes by our actions today? Or are we causing them to have second thoughts, to wonder whether it's worth it all if their election might be invalidated by a partisan majority of either party? I think there are many important questions that we should be asking ourselves at this juncture. 
and I think they all point to the need for a new election. And I think the point made by the gentleman from Mississippi earlier really brings into question of why we stand today in the House and why we are being asked to have a special election. Because he said, and the record will reflect, that Frank McCloskey must win by a preponderance of the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. What he said, ladies and gentlemen, is that one vote is not enough in this country. That candidates must do more than just win an election. Candidates must beat a point spread to serve in the House of Representatives, and four points is not enough. I might remind that gentleman and the other members that there are members seated in this chamber, in this 99th Congress, who were elected by 170 votes, 300 votes, 400 votes. Do we now cast a cloud over the results in their races? That first voice you heard was Trent Lott of Mississippi, then a member of the House of Representatives. The second, Dick Durbin. Uh, the Both of them went on from the House into leadership positions in the United States Senate. So it's interesting to hear them early on in their careers. We're talking with Zach Smith, an Iowa reporter who's covering the contested election in Iowa's 2nd Congressional District. Zach Smith, you heard how angry both sides were. Can you get a sense right now of the level of antipathy going into this contested election by members of Congress, other members of the Iowa delegation, for example? This is a this this election has come down to uh, has has come down to party lines, right? And I, I think you can expect the same uh, same uh, the same sort of hot uh, you know uh, hot emotions going into this. Um, I think it's uh, particularly in this race we hear a lot about the. Uh, we've heard a lot from particularly Republicans talking about the that the wheel the will of vote, Iowa voters is being subverted, right? That um, there's this notion that um, by having this uh, Congress make this vote, right, uh, were it to investigate and uh, eventually uh, resolve on one candidate or the other, um, you know, that this would be taking the uh, power out of um, out of Iowans' hands, right? And you know, I, I, I so I, I think it's extremely both I think Rita Hart's petition, right, of appealing to Congress over the state court, um, but also um, just how close this has been. Uh, you know, it's uh, we've we've had the just in the recount the uh, person that was ahead in the race, uh, you know, ch- ch- change. Right. Um, it's important to remember that this isn't a this was not a while a while a, you know uh, six votes is decisive. This is not an overwhelming victory. Right. This came down to 196,000 uh, votes on either side. Right. Um, uh, and the notion that uh, the notion that uh, uh, I don't know. Um, that there is going to be a clean or easy way to resolve such a close election. I, you know, I, I just don't think we have an apparatus for it. Um, you know, calling for a full consideration of all ballots is certainly um, something that uh, uh, the Rita Hart campaign is in favor of. Um, but, you know, for Republicans who are, um, you know, have gotten uh, gotten their candidate past the post uh, in the both in the recount, um, you know, I think that's a that's a, uh, you know, uh, I think that's an outcome that they're uh, wanting to sit with, right? I don't think anybody uh, likes the idea of a vote sitting uncounted. But, you know, when we, uh, in an election involving so many votes, you know, 400, over um, nearly 400,000 votes, uh, ballots to consider, uh, you know, the idea of hand counting each and every one of those is pretty daunting, even for, uh, even if Congress were to uh, put the, put the uh, people towards the, uh, towards the issue. Which presidential candidate carried Iowa to? Uh, Donald Trump carried Iowa too. And was the the congressional race done uh, a, a one of personalities, or was it fought over issues? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, the uh, Iowa's second congressional district was pretty quiet, uh, except for in the uh, uh, 
uh, at least on the Democratic side. There was a pretty messy uh, primary between uh, Republican Marionette Miller-Meeks and uh, Republican Bobby Schilling, a uh, LeClaire Republican. Um, Bobby Schilling, you'll remember, was uh, also an Illinois congressman at one point in time, but has uh, been uh, living in Iowa near the Quad Cities area uh, for, for a couple of years. Pretty messy, pretty messy um, um, back and forth over who was the uh, true uh, 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 anti-abortion candidate in the race. Um, but it was a um, uh, but coming into the uh, general election, you know, we had I think. Uh, uh, we saw uh, Marion Miller Meeks hitting the campaign trail, knocking a lot of doors. While the Rita Hart campaign was was until September that they uh, opted to really begin doing that door knocking uh, due to COVID concerns early on. Um, the the uh, we we saw uh, we saw a issues like healthcare, uh, which were uh, at least for area Democrats and Republicans is a is a huge issue, right? Um, we saw a uh, a lot being said about the future of uh, Social Security. Um, the uh, in terms of there being a decisive issue, though, uh, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know that there was. Right. I, I, I think we see how um, I think we see how uh, truly ambivalent. Right. The Iowa said congressional district was they saw two very uh, two very differently, but very well qualified uh, candidates, um, both competing, uh, both competing for a very important seat in our government. So it's fascinating and rather ironic that an ambivalent electorate now has one of the closest contested races in the Congress this year. What's been the reaction among your readers and among voters in the second district of Iowa? Are people following this pretty closely now? I have been. Uh, it is uh, rare that you report a story out that um, you know you uh, wake up. You know that the uh, it starts it starts uh, you know with your coffee with uh, you know folks. Uh, uh, you know, folks coming to you with questions they have, right? And a uh, particularly given the uh, amount of history involved, uh, right? Given the amount of uh, just kind of really kind of obscure, uh, obscure uh, processes and obscure bodies involved uh, in sort of this petitioning process. You know, we've had uh, we've had a lot of readers, uh, you know, just want to know, you know, did my vote get counted? You know, simple stuff like that, that um, in a, again, in a race as close as this it matters immensely. So, what are you following next over the next couple of weeks? Uh, I know this is your bread and butter on a daily basis. I'm sure uh, you're waiting for each official step as it unfolds. What's next for you? What are you watching? The thing that I'm watching uh, and that everyone, if you're interested in this race, you should too, is the, it, we're waiting for uh, Rita Hart to drop her petition. Um, once she drops, she, she will drop her petition with the clerk of the house. That petition will uh, then be transmitted to the, House Committee on Administration, which will then consider uh, that petition. Um, what's important about it is um, that will be our first look at sort of like what is her challenge, right? Um, there's been, uh, given that, uh, uh, you know, given that this is a legal challenge, right, uh, there are issues that may come up, may come up, uh, that may come up for the first time, right, in this challenge. They've had, both parties had a you know, uh, you know, numerous lawyers spread out across the district and all 24 uh all 24 um, county, uh, yeah, all 24 counties, looking, you know, searching for, uh, searching for the material that may end up being reported as, uh, you know, malfeasance on their parts. Right? This is, a, this is sort of a culmination of uh, a lot of, um, a lot of legal minds weighing in, looking for just what it is, what, you know, what, will, what will make compelling grounds uh, to challenge, uh, to challenge this election and queue uh, uh, up and queue uh, an investigation. Well, it's got to be a, a bit of fun and exciting for an Iowa reporter covering politics to be at the epicenter of one of the most uh, historic house races 
that has come along in about two decades. Thank you for explaining to us how Iowa Second and the candidate Rita Hart, the Democrat, is invoking a process that is both arcane in congressional uh, processes and also historic. And we'll all watch over the next couple of months how this unfolds. Zach Smith, if people are looking for more of your reporting, your byline is Zachary Orrin Smith. And where do people see your work? Uh, the best places are uh, I, uh, press-citizen.com, the Iowa City Press Citizen's website, and Des Moines, Re- uh, Des Moines com. Thank you very much for talking to us today on C-SPAN's The Weekly about Iowa's 2nd District and the close contest there, coming out of it with just six votes difference between the two candidates. Thanks for your time. Thank you.